And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruits and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome aboard the Athletics Can't Wait Jets podcast, your nonstop shop for all things Jets. Now here are your hosts, Tim McMaster and Connor Hughes. Listen safely. Can't wait! After the dust settled on the 2021 draft, the Jets walk away with 10 new players out of the draft, four on offense, six on defense. We will break it all down for you now on the Can't Wait Podcast. I'm Tim McMaster, along with our Jets reporter at The Athletic, Connor Hughes. Marissa Morris is producing, and in the lock of the draft, Connor Hughes overslept this morning, and we are starting late. I'm sorry about that. There was no, there's no excuses. This one, like Sometimes I can make up excuses. There was none. Like Sunday, I took the day off. I was like, I did, I wrote like my Saturday stuff on, or I wrote my Sunday stuff and Monday stuff on Saturday. And I was like, I just need a football less day. So I had a great football less day. I went out with Andy Vasquez and um, Matt Stivelkowski, who used to cover the Jets. I works for Anheuser-Busch. We met up with my good friend, Joe Lacalandre, who's a big Jets fan. One of my friends from college, we played 18 holes at this course called Knob Hill. It was a great time. I was like, okay, after we finished the 18 holes, me and Joe and I were going to watch football or the uh, Knicks game together. So we're like the red hot New York effing Knicks, by the way, which we're going to spend a lot of time talking about later. I was like, we're going to go. We were waiting to like eight o'clock. You're going to watch the Knicks. So we finished the 18 holes at like four, four thirty. And Joe looks at me and goes like, dude, we still got some time. He's like, we could play a little more. So the local course, we went from playing Knob Hill to the Princeton Country Club, got nine in there, came home, ordered a pizza. I'm like. By the end of the day, I mean, I was beat from it. And I was like, man, Marissa, I, then I look at my phone and see Marissa like, hey, we're going to do the pot at 10. I was like, sweet, pot at 10. No, so you, set my you alarms. correction, you said pot at 10. So and I'm already missing. Let's just make it clear that Connor makes the schedule and then he misses the schedule. So yeah, <laughs> All right. so I, yes. I was like, pot at 10, sweet, we're set, like blah, blah, blah. And I like, I wake up this morning at nine. I was like, why did I set an alarm for nine? I have nothing to do today. Like, this is like a sleep in day. I was like, all right, whatever. Then I, I wake up 30 minutes later because I had a second alarm for 9.30. And then I had a third alarm for 9.45. I was like, why do I have three alarms set? This doesn't make any sense. So I decide for whatever reason, like, okay, it's 9.45. I'm 29 years old. I should probably get out of bed now. And I look down at my phone and I see like three texts from Marissa. And I'm like, why is Marissa? Oh, my God, it's a podcast. <laughs> like, oh, ran, ran, ran. Like, we're in here. I don't have any coffee in me. So this is just like immediate like panic. Oh, my God, I have to do a podcast energy right now. You know, on phones now, when you set the alarm, if you use your phone, you can make it so when it pops up, it actually tells you why it's going off. I do. That is why my 10 o'clock alarm is titled Greg Williams, because that's when he would talk. (laughs) So I have done that, but the other ones are just like not named. Thank you, everybody, for for being on time and and subscribing to the show on YouTube or Apple or wherever you are watching or listening. Lots to get to. We're going to start with day three because we haven't talked about that. Then we'll go back, talk about grading the Jets draft overall, uh, talk a little bit about what else has to be done with this roster because you can't do it all in one draft. But let's start with day three highlights. And we got to start with 
the two Michael Carters, right? Because, uh, you know, we're all about multiple Michael Dunns on this show, but now the Jets <laughs> have Michael Carters to spare, the running back from North Carolina, uh, the defensive back from Duke. That's the best part is that they were arch rival schools. But I think the one we probably want to talk about, Connor, is the running back, fourth round pick and a guy that that is going to be depended upon probably right away with this team in 2021. Yeah, yeah. And I think that, so when we were talking about this Jets running back situation, it was, I mean, they they obviously, they don't have any big names there, right? I mean, they have Ty Johnson, who's a, a, uh, a, a, a absolutely dynamic threat because of where he went to college, if you ask Marissa, but, but from an, an NFL perspective, he's kind of like, you know, a, a guy that has some real nice physical traits, but, but hasn't really done it before, aside from that game against the Raiders. Um, You've got a guy in Josh Adams, another scheme fit. Um, you have LaMichael P. Ryan, obviously, and the Jets signed Tevin Coleman. But there's no, like, Aaron Jones in that group. There's no uh, Saquon Barkley in that group. And and there's no uh, uh, Derrick Henry in that group. It's not, it's not a dynamic running back rotation. And that's fine. Like honestly, that's that's completely fine because I, I've I've talked to people over there and, and I've talked to people who are both familiar with this jet scheme and then I've talked to the people over in the Jets building that are gonna be running this jet scheme. You don't need the big name star power to make this offensive running back rotation work. That's why the Jets were never gonna go draft a running back in the first round. They were never gonna draft a running back in the second round. It was probably highly unlikely for them to trade up into the third round and draft the running back. It just wasn't what they were going to do. Because when you look at the San Francisco 49ers, because that is the perfect offensive example, because the Jets are going to run a carbon copy of that scheme here with Mike LaFleur. And Mike LaFleur obviously has trained underneath uh, uh, Shanahan for, for basically his entire career. You look at when that offense was best. It's the 2019 season when the 49ers went to the Super Bowl. That offense was at its best because of its rushing and ground ground and pound attack. That rushing attack ran for over 1,900 yards and 16 touchdowns. And they ran for over 1,900 yards and 16 touchdowns with Tevin Coleman, who was kind of like a second-tier, third-tier free agent signing, Matt Breida, who was an undrafted free agent, and Raheem Mosert, who was a practice squad signing, who was with the 49ers, I think, the year before, who was elevated to the over elevated to the 53 man roster during like the 2018-2019 seasons. The 49ers were able to have that success with those nobody running backs because this offense requires a skill set. What it needs is speed to get to the perimeter and then one cut ability to get up the field. Speed to the perimeter, one cut ability up the field. Speed to the perimeter, one cut ability up the field. They have that in Ty Johnson. They have that in Tevin Coleman. They have that in Josh Adams. They don't really have that in LaMichael P. Ryan, which is why I'm very curious to see what his status with this team going forward is going to be because he's not that scheme fit. And I don't think the Jets will cut him. I don't think the Jets will move on, but this running back group is now filled and he's kind of the odd man out when you're talking about scheme fits. But what eventually this got to the point of is that there's going to be that skill set that you're looking for available in the later rounds of the draft. And eventually there's going to be a player where you're like, man, this is just the perfect pit, perfect fit where we can't not go and get him. And you found that in Michael Carter. You watch the way that he runs. You watch his skill set. You watch the things that he does well. He is a perfect fit for this offense. And what he gives the Jets, though, is a little bit more athleticism and a little bit more talent than they have in Tevin Coleman. He gives them a little more athleticism and talent than they have in Ty Johnson. I'm sorry, Marissa. A little bit more athleticism and talent than they have 
in Josh Adams. So now you get a guy who is the perfect scheme fit, plus a little bit more upside, and you get him in the fourth round. I think this is when, for the next three, four, five years, you're going to see the Jets targeting these type of players at the running back position because they'll let guys go. They'll let guys go in free agency because you don't need to pay the running backs big money either because you know you can rely on on this skill set to still have talent and still have success and still have your offense humming. So I think you're going to see guys like this drafted every couple of years and you're going to see them drafted in the same type of position in that third round, in that fourth round, because yeah, the Clemson running back would have been a hell of a fit, right? I mean, Najee Harris would have been a hell of a, a an addition to this offense. Yeah, he's a great player, but the Jets don't need that to have success. You rather take your funds, you rather take those investments and put them in places where you're going to need the help earlier on, and that's offensive line, receiver, things like that. All right, so looking deeper into the third day of the draft, they get Michael Carter, then they get Jason Pinnock. They, um, but the, the one other guy that I wanted to kind of focus on is, uh, and I'm going to try to say this right, with the help of the pronunciator from Marissa, is Hamza Nazrildeen. Nazrildeen. I think that's right. Uh, anyway, he was a safety at Florida State, Connor. They're going to move him up into the box a little bit more for the Jets. They actually call him a linebacker upon drafting him. Um, but rave reviews for the Jets getting him in the sixth round, a guy that uh, Dane Brugler had listed as a second or third round grade, um, a nice value pick late. Yeah, I mean, that's what's, that's what's kind of funky was that when the Jets drafted Michael Carter, like up until Michael Carter, the, the running back, the Jets had kind of gone the route of like, you could say they had taken the best player on their board. Like, because Zach Wilson was the best player on their board. Elijah Vera Tucker, they're often the best player on their board. Elijah Moore, best player on their board. And then Michael Carter was a guy that, that uh, um, Robert Salas said that the Jets went to bed after the third round ended. And we're like, well, that's going to be our fourth round pick. Holy cow, I can't believe he's still there. Very similar to how they felt about Elijah Moore, the receiver. In fact, Elijah Moore, the receiver, they were afraid that the team was going to trade up to 33 to draft him. Like, that's how highly they coveted and how how highly they viewed this guy. But once you got to, to Sherwood, when the Jets drafted him, he was considered a little bit of a reach. I mean, again, we're, we're going, no one ever really knows in the draft, but, but Dane had him as a priority free agent. And then you had Jason Pinnock, the corner, another priority free agent. And then when you finally got to I'm not even going to try to pronounce the name right now. We still haven't met the kids, so it's like we got to like get there. But this was the first pick in which the Jets drafted a guy that was not a reach. It was a guy that just kind of fell a little bit because of some injury history, and you weren't able to see him play. And and it was it was interesting, and it was fun. It was kind of cool to see them play, and it was kind of cool to see uh, them able to find that type of value there. And, and the one thing that I do genuinely – Love what the Jets are doing, and it's it's kind of funny because it reminds me almost of when I would play when I would play Madden, like Madden video games, is like, and this is like a very silly comparison, but like what I would always do is my big mode on Madden was franchise mode. Like I loved playing an online franchise mode with my friends, and one of the things that I genuinely liked to do was I always wanted speed. Like I always liked the fastest players to have the fastest players on my defense, or the fastest players on offense. So what I would sometimes do is I would draft safeties that were like bigger like six three six four safeties that on madden you could see what their speed was going to be and then i would just convert them to linebacker and i would make them my two outside linebackers and so when i saw the jets draft these two kids and say like announce them as linebackers then read their draft profile from dane and have dane say no they're kind of better fitted as box safeties linebacker safeties and the jets basically admitted admit to us after the post-game press conference or after the post-pick press conference that they're going to have these kids play weak side linebacker. 
I love the idea. I mean, look, it's risky, right? Because I think Sherwood was the guy that played it at, he he weighs like 216 now, but he played at 220 last year and he was going to wait to see what team drafted him and what team, where that team wanted him to play before he said like, okay, I'm going to gain 20 pounds or something like that. But the potential that the Jets are going to have at this weak side linebacker position for just athleticism. I mean, because you're going to have guys that are used to turning their hips like a corner in safety. You're going to have guys that are used to to covering wide receivers, now only having to cover tight ends and running backs. And, and guys that are in college were physical specimens in terms of they loved being in the box, they loved hitting them. And, and one of the very interesting things that Salah said to us was he was asked about how hard it's going to be to have that conversion because, again, these guys have the skill set and the talent to play linebacker, but they've never really played linebacker before. And he said that when he was in San Francisco, he used to have the safety to linebacker conversion conversation with John Lynch, their general manager, all the time. And I actually didn't know. I was a big John Lynch fan. I didn't know this about him. He actually played linebacker later in his career. So when he got to to Denver in the last few years, he, he wasn't a safety anymore. He was playing linebacker. And John told Robert that one of the things that he used to do, because it was a tough transition for him originally, but the transition wasn't the play style. The transition wasn't the assignments. The transition was you break the huddle and you go line up at linebacker. So what Lynch used to do is he would actually break the huddle despite knowing he was played linebacker. He would go to safety at first and then he would just walk down to the linebacker spot. And that's what he did originally to kind of get that sort of comfortability to go from, no, you're a safety, now you're a linebacker, safety, linebacker, safety, linebacker. So uh, Salah said he's actually going to advise both these kids to do that, to try it out early on just until they get comfortable. But this right now, it's a risk. Like it's a gamble anytime you're having a positional change. But these are two kids that if this gamble or if this risk pays off, it's going to be really, really, really interesting to see it come to play. Like it, it's going to be the Jets defense is going to have a lot of potential if these two gambles pay off. And again, if they don't, I mean, there's veteran linebackers you can find to play that weak side position. The Jets are really only going to have two linebackers on the field the majority of the time. But if this actually does work out, I'm fast. I'm fascinated to watch rookie minicamp and see these guys, which is supposed to be end of this week fascinated to see these kids in training camp when it's you know everyone like the bullets are really starting to fly and then preseason if we have any preseason i don't even know if the nfl's kind of identified what they're going to do there uh the preseason is going to be one to really be interesting to see these kids come out and play because i think that there's just so much potential and so much talent and so much just opportunity for the defense but you kind of glanced over them and i i wouldn't necessarily uh michael carter the corner that the jets drafted they are ridiculously high on him. And he is somebody that I know we talked about re-signing pool. And I think that's maybe still possible. It would not surprise me in the slightest. If Michael Carter, the corner is the Jets starting nickelback week one, because they are very high on this kid. They are very excited about this kid. I know he was a priority free agent listing by Dane Brugler. That is not how the Jets view him. They see him as a tough kid. They see him as athletic. They see him as physical. They see him as a leader. They love his personality. They think he's going to mesh perfectly within that locker room. And he is somebody that they gen- I, I genuinely believe is, is has the extreme possibility to start very, very, very early on for the Jets and, and be a guy that not many people talked about when he was drafted. It was like, you know, the jokes about, oh, they drafted another Michael Carter. The Jets are like cornering the market on Michael Carter, Michael Carter 1A, Michael Carter 1B. You had them tweeting each other. The cornerback is the guy that, that they're... I, I, the Jets are really happy that they got him, and he's somebody that I, I think you're going to see having some barring injury. You're going to see him playing very early on for the Jets, and, and he might be that starting nickel corner with Bless Austin and Bryce Hall or, or a veteran if the Jets sign one. 
Victorinox, the makers of the original Swiss Army Knife, have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges, mastering functionality, innovation, iconic design, and uncompromising quality with its products. The Victorinox Swiss Army Knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it. Tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick's Sporting Goods. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. All right, let's get on to the grades. Um, overall grades, just looking at um, other people within the athletic family. Um, Dane Brugler had the Jets seventh of all NFL teams. He had them first in the division, so first as far as the AFC East. And then Shiel Kapadia, who you were critical of his grades, Connor, last week. Uh, he gave the Jets overall a B-. minus. Um, he had uh, Wilson, I think, was was like a B-. We talked about it before. He didn't love them moving up for Vera Tucker, although he loves he likes the player. He did love Elijah Moore and on from there. I think he loved Nasril then too. Uh, but when you look this overall, Connor, it was the run on offense, then the run on defense. What kind of an overall grade are you giving the Jets? Overall grade, I, I think it's a I think it's a I I, I hate to win the grades right away because you never know. But when you take into consideration the players that they got, I give it a, a probably a a B plus. Um, maybe you can teeter it on a, I, I honestly believe that. I, I think it's like a B plus a draft. Now I think I would probably go more towards B plus just because of my opinion being different from what the jets should have done with that second round pick where they drafted Elijah Moore. Now, like I said, Elijah Moore was the right selection. Elijah Moore is a great player. The jets, the jets were made the right pick in taking Elijah Moore in terms of, they wanted to add playmaker for their, they wanted to add protections and playmakers for their quarterback. This was a playmaker that they added for their quarterback. You cannot rip the decision. If I was a general manager looking over, and I'm serious about this, all of the draft picks that the jets have made, all of the moves that the jets made, the only place that I would have gone differently was Elijah Moore. And I wouldn't have gone pass rusher. I wouldn't have gone cornerback. I wouldn't have done any of that. I just would have taken Tevin Jenkins. That's that's just my decision. Because in my mind, I I view it as a, you can go basically set yourself self up where at least at the worst case scenario, three-fifths of your offensive line are secured for the next 10 to 15 years with Beckton, Elijah Vera Tucker, and Tevin Jenkins, and you're done. And then the only two positions that you might have to worry about that the Jets are extremely confident in are Connor McGovern at center and George Fan at right tackle. The Jets believe, as we've said, those two guys will make significant progress this year. They think those are two guys that will take significant steps in the right direction this year. They're going to be great in this new zone blocking scheme. But it's still like we think, we think, we think, we hope, we hope, we hope, we believe. It's not like confirmed that those guys are going to be good. So in my opinion, you had the chance to at least have three-fifths of your line set with guys that you love their potential with high draft picks. Another two that you love the potential of, but worst case scenario, you're just replacing a center and a right guard or center and right tackle next year in free agency or with any of those tons of draft picks that you have. And that's where I would have gone. But the Jets went with a playmaker that they believe is a dynamic weapon, a guy that you're going to see get the ball 
on jet sweeps, a guy that's going to get it on screens, a guy that's going to go deep, a guy that's going to go short. He's going to play in the slot, outside, at running back. I mean, Elijah Moore is a dynamic, game-changing player. My thing is just I hedge my bet towards the offensive line. The Jets went with a playmaker, either one, whether it was Jenkins or whether it was Moore, they're both going to help Zach Wilson. So it's a good pick anyway. But I just give B plus as opposed to A because I think Tevin Jenkins would have just been like the perfect selection. But going all the way down, I mean, it's Zach Wilson. I gave it a B plus. I like the Zach Wilson pick. I think that the only thing that would have been better than Zach Wilson was uh, Trevor Lawrence, which obviously was not going to happen when the Jets beat the Rams. So what were they going to do? They evaluated all of these quarterbacks in a vacuum. They looked as if Sam Darnold was in this same draft class. And they said, okay, we have an opportunity at number two to draft Sam Wilson, Zach Wilson, Justin Fields, uh, Mac Jones, Trey Lance. We have an opportunity to draft any of those guys. What are we going to, who are we going to draft? Very early on, they went, they liked Sam Darnold or Zach Wilson more than those other three. So it became about Zach Wilson or Sam Darnold. And when they evaluated Zach, they saw a guy that can make throws on all three levels of the defense, a guy that is deadly accurate, a guy that can throw off platform, a guy that can throw on the run, a guy whose personality they fell in love with. Like he has this moxie and this swagger and this confidence, but it's a moxie, swagger and confidence that doesn't teeter on arrogance. And when he walks into a room, you know, he's there. Like he's the guy that players are going to want to be around. He's going to be the guy that everyone wants to follow. He's going to be the guy that's going to motivate everyone. You already see him on Instagram, tweeting out and Instagramming highlights of Elijah Moore and uh, Michael Carter. Like he's already tweeting, he's tweeting guys. Welcome. I mean, when was the last time you saw Sam Darnold? I mean, he just wasn't his personality. Like him tweet or welcome someone. So the Jets saw all of this. And what they realized was that aside from those physical traits, they believed him to have a better physical aware, better mental awareness and was less turnover prone than Sam Darnold based off of their college stats. And what they came to the determination of was that if Sam Darnold was in this draft and Zach Wilson was in this draft, they would draft Zach Wilson. And so they decided to draft Zach Wilson because, again, now you also get him on his rookie contract clock and all that stuff, and they moved on. So will it work out? I don't know, but I think that Zach Wilson was definitely a better option than anyone else the Jets would have drafted at number two unless they were to trade back. But if they view him as a better player than Sam Darnold, if they view him as somebody with more upside than Sam Darnold, you can't fault them on not trading back because they drafted a quarterback they think is a sud. So for him, he's a B, uh, a lot, or B plus. I'm sorry, Elijah Vera Tucker, whom the Jets got there, also in the first round. For me, that's an A draft pick. That's a guy that is the best interior lineman in this draft. Yes, the Jets gave up two third round picks, but they gave up two third round picks in a draft that is considered less loaded than what next year is going to be. A draft that is less, um, a draft that they are less knowledgeable about not because of their own ignorance, but because of the fact that there was no NFL combine. You don't have enough medical history on a lot of these guys. And there wasn't, for a lot of these kids, the same college season that they would have normally had. And a bunch of people opted out. So it wasn't the normal college football year, which is why this is not the normal NFL draft. So the middle rounds were always going to be very hard to figure out because of all of those reasons and all those obstacles that these guys had to get over. So the Jets said, you know what? We have the flexibility with these two third round picks to move up and get them. And was two third round picks a lot? Yeah, technically you just traded both of your third round picks, but they got back an extra fourth rounder. And when you consider what the value was to go from number 23 to number 14, giving up those two third round picks, also getting a fourth round pick back, they only overpaid by 45 value points. And they overpaid by 45 value points to get the best interior interior offensive lineman in this draft. A lineman has the ability to play offensive tackle and offensive guard, a guy that is the perfect personality and is somebody who's going to pair next to Makai Becton to form a dominant offensive line duo. 
for the next 10 to 12 years. I don't know how you rip that. And I've seen a lot of people do it because, oh, the value, oh, the this, oh, the that. Screw the value. You got a damn good football player, a dominant football player. Go ask the Indianapolis Colts if they would have traded two third round picks and a first round pick to go up and get Quentin Nelson. Go ask the the, the Dallas Cowboys if they would have done it for Zach Martin. Because those are important offenses. The, the, the Kansas City Chiefs just gave $80 million to Joe Tooney. You want to tell me the guard position isn't valued on the offensive line? Get real. No, it is. And the Jets needed it. The Jets needed it. It's not only about getting Elijah Vera Tucker. It's the fact that if he didn't get Elijah Vera Tucker, you're stuck with Alex Lewis or Greg Van Roten. So this like criticism that they traded up for a guard, that they overpaid by 45 value points to go get a guard, come on. And honestly, Joe Douglas doesn't do that trade if it's not for this draft. So it was the perfect storm where it was valuable. It was the Jets had the picks to make it work. They had a player that they wanted to go up and they weren't so keen on these middle rounds because again, you don't have the film and the medicals and all that stuff to evaluate those guys. So the fact he went up to go get Elijah Vera Tucker and didn't sacrifice any of the 11 picks he has next year, I don't know how you rip that at all. It's an A draft pick. It's an A trade. It's an A addition. And if Elijah Vera Tucker is as good as people think he's going to be, people are going to be laughing and freezing cold takes is going to be quote tweeting everyone who talks shit on that trade for <laughs> for like ever. Like it's going to be ridiculous. I think it's an A plus pick. And when you see what him and Beckton are capable of doing together, you're going to laugh your ass off. Elijah Moore, like I said, that's a B pick for me. Michael Carter, B. Michael Carter, the running back, B. Jamie and Sherwood, I gave a C just because I don't know. I feel like it was a little bit of a reach, and I feel like the Jets grabbed him a little bit earlier. Michael Carter, the defensive backs, I went with a B because of what I know the Jets think of him and how excited they are to have him in here. So if they're that pumped and they're that happy about getting him, and he's a guy that's going to start week one at nickel corner, slot corner, I don't think you can rip that one at all. Uh, Jason Pinnock, corner, I gave him a B. Hamza, I gave the because the fact that you got a second round pick in the in the fifth, sixth round, I mean, I think that's a that's a hell of an addition for them. So I gave that one an A. Brandon Eccles, the cornerback, finally going with an outside guy, that was a B. And then Jonathan Marshall, the defensive tackle uh, that the Jets drafted, the three-tech with their final pick, he's somebody that I am very intrigued to see play. I mean, I gave that a B grade, and he's just somebody that I can't wait to see on a field. And in you know, with that set, he's not going to be a starter this year. He's not going to go push Sheldon Rankins or Quinton Williams or Foley Fatukasi for, for playing time. But he's somebody that I think when you really get to see him on the field, he might be a guy that in year two, year three, starts to work himself into that defensive line rotation because what he's able to do physically and with his athleticism, it's different. I mean, you don't see guys that are built that way. I mean, he's got sub 5040 yard dash speed for a big dude. He's got a crazy vertical. He's got the crazy strength. And his issue in college was a lot of like, you didn't know if you were getting the full Jonathan Marshall 24-7. But when you got him given 110%, you got a guy that was a dominant force. The issue was that you maybe only got that 10 times a game. And then the other 20 times, he was maybe like, you know, halfing it or three-quartersing it. Or, you know, maybe he just wasn't all there. Or maybe he wasn't feeling himself that day. And, you know, that's why you take a chance and you take a gamble on a guy like that in in the later rounds and why the Jets were able to take a gamble like that on somebody in in the with their their last pick in the draft. And now what it's just going to be is you you now see if maybe you get him in your building. He's now a pro. He's now in the NFL. And now he's working with a head coach in Robert Sala, who clearly is a player's coach and clearly is a guy who can motivate even the even the, the worst of them. He'll be able to motivate them. Get him in your building. See if you can't find a, a diamond in the rough. And, and I think people have said it a million times. You listen to the NFL draft broadcast. They all said it, that 
the NFL draft is very much a um, a lottery ticket. Like once you get out of the, out of the third round, it's all lottery tickets, and you're trying to hit on a couple of them. And some of them have a better hit rate. You know, they're your local lottery tickets, like like the fourth round. But once you get to fifth, sixth, seventh, it's all it's all gambles. It's all taking chances. And and I think the Jonathan Marshall's one that's going to be a pretty intriguing one to watch uh, later on. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruits and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. All right, a couple more things to get to uh, on the pod today. Connor, cornerback was a big need going into this draft. And, I mean, they definitely drafted cornerbacks. Michael Carter, Jason Pinnock, Brandon Eccles. I don't think it's fair to say any of Well, I shouldn't say that. Carter, you said, could you could see him maybe being that nickel um, come yeah. come the beginning of the season. But we're talking about the outside and the problems they have there. And you're not going to be able to depend on any of these guys there. So you can't solve all the flaws on a team like the Jets in one draft. So you got to do something, though. So is now the time that this team turns its attention to Richard Sherman or others on the cornerback market? Or do they go into the year with what they have right now? I wouldn't, man. I would not go into next year with that outside cornerback. It's it just, it's screaming to me when the Jets were like, yeah, we think Daryl Roberts can do it. We're just going to run with that. And it blew up in their face. So uh, in my opinion, I think you got to add a veteran. It's just a matter of what veteran do you want to add? Steven Nelson, the Steeler, he's out there. Casey Hayward, the Charger, he's out there. Brian Poole, obviously, if maybe they get um, Clark in here and, and they, they get a chance to like kind of see what he... Um, what he, Michael Carter, I'm sorry, when they get Michael Carter in here and maybe he doesn't look as ready as he is, maybe they do rekindle things with Brian Poole. And obviously Richard Sherman's the big name, but he said he's been talking to four teams and the four teams weren't the Jets. I think with Richard Sherman, it's one of those things where you have a guy that maybe wants a chance to win, like a chance to get a title, another Super Bowl, and he's not really going to get that with the Jets. So as much as he loves Robert Sala, it might necessarily mean all that much like it's like it like it, he might just want the winner more than just playing for somebody that he really respects and really he loves but I think I would definitely go out that you got to add an outside corner I just I don't think I don't see how and I know it's not like this off defensive scheme is gonna be easier but I just think you have to do that you have to go in there and you have to get a veteran corner 
All right. And then the one other, well, not the one other thing, there's, there's plenty other needs, but the one thing that um, they definitely need with a new rookie quarterback in Zach Wilson, that is the veteran quarterback who's going to, you know, show him how it's done, be willing to be that mentor for him. Um, they don't have that guy on the roster right now. There are multiple options available out there that they could bring in. Who do you think is the best fit to mentor Wilson? Nick Foles, and he's not going to come in via free agency unless the Bears cut him, but I don't think that's likely. I think it would have to come via a trade. And Nick Foles is the guy that I just see it. Like, occasionally you see a player where you're like, that works. And it's, it's just to me. You're like, no, that, that's it. That is the option. That's the perfect fit. That works. That's what the Jets need. It is Nick Foles. Now, he's not necessarily like a super scheme fit for Michael Floor's offense because he want, you, know, you want the the guy who can move, the guy who can throw on the run. And, and Nick Foles is not that. Like Nick Foles is a stationary quarterback. It's painful to watch that guy try to move. But what you have is a player that is, I want to say, I, 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 don't, I don't say this lightly. Like I think he is genuinely the perfect fit, the perfect, perfect, perfect fit for what the Jets want. And, and it's a guy that has been there and done that. You know, he's had success He's had success at the highest level um, where he literally won a Super Bowl in 2017 with the Eagles when Nick Foles went down. By the way, the director, the director of player personnel there, Joe Douglas, uh, when Nick uh, Carson Wentz goes down with the knee injury, Nick Foles steps in. Everyone's like doom and gloom. The Eagles season is over. There's no chance of them winning. He had a so-so regular season. Playoffs come okay against the Falcons, red hot against the Vikings, red hot against the Patriots. Eagles are Super Bowl champs for the first time in franchise history. Because of Nick Foles. He is a guy that when he is in the locker room, he is beloved by his teammates. Like there is not a soul that would speak negatively on Nick Foles. Just a a absolutely A-plus human being. He is an ideal, perfect mentor for a young guy because he's not the ego-driven crazy person. He is not the, I want this starting job. He is not the... That's not who he is. He's the guy that you put in that media media uh, meeting room with your quarterback, and he becomes very much what Josh McCown was for Sam Darnold, where you have a guy who is just a genuinely good human being, a guy who is just a a good player who has had success at the highest of levels, a guy who, if he's forced to play, can play, but a guy who is, one, going to make the other players in your locker room better because of the leader that he is, and two, going to make your young quarterback better. And obviously, it's going to cost a little bit. I think it's going to be like $4 million if the Jets were to trade from him. I think that's what like the Jets would have to 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 pay to get. Like They would need to to do this. They would need $4 million to, to pay him. But they have the money to do that. It's not like they're cash-strapped. It's not like they're tough for the change, all that stuff. They they can go out there and they can get him and they can make it. Di- like the, the money is not a problem. And I know, I'm not sure if this is all in the... Uh, the uh, chat room or anything like that. I'm, I'm not terribly sure, but um, there's a lot that I saw when Nick Foles came up is that people said like, well, a lot, a lot of help he did for Carson Wentz. Look, he broke Carson Wentz. Oh my God, he broke Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz broke Carson Wentz, not Nick Foles. I mean, Nick Foles, you talk about, talk to anyone who like is, was familiar with that quarterback situation. And I've done that. You talk to anyone who was familiar with that media room. And they said like, Nick Foles was just everything for Carson and he helped Carson. That's why one of Carson's best years was with Nick Foles as his backup. Carson Wentz was just so mentally weak in that he couldn't handle mentally when he got hurt 
Nick Foles came in and Nick Foles won the Super Bowl. Like when that happened, it wasn't Foles. It was the fact that Foles won a Super Bowl with his team that Wentz just he mentally couldn't handle it. And that's why you had the the year after that, there were a lot of the there was like a, a bombshell report that came out about how uh players liked Nick Foles more and players wanted Nick Foles to start. Because then if you remember 2017, Nick Foles takes over for Carson Wentz. Eagles win the Super Bowl, right? Even though Carson Wentz was that MVP. Next year in 2018, the Eagles are like a 500 so-so football team. Carson Wentz again gets hurt. I think it was a back issue. I don't really remember. We should bring on Bo. But Carson Wentz goes down. Carson Wentz gets hurt that year. Nick Foles comes back in and Nick Foles takes them to the playoffs when they weren't supposed to make the playoffs. He beats the Bears with the double doink. And then in year the, the next game against the number one seeded Saints, he's basically has them driving down the field to knock off the number one Saints in the Superdome. So the next year, obviously, the the um, Nick Foles' contract is up. He's a free agent. The Eagles have to decide Foles or Wentz, Foles or Wentz. They obviously like, no, we're taking Wentz. That's the guy we invested in. So they uh, Foles goes for, to the Jacksonville Jaguars. That year was when there was a bombshell report the two years after the Super Bowl. I think so that's 2007. That's 2019. There was a bombshell report that Carson that the players wanted the the players wanted the Eagles to stay with Nick Foles. It wasn't I did some homework on that because I'm from Philly, so a lot of my family and friends are like Eagle fans. I again I I'm not an Eagle fan at all, and I can promise you that anyone who like you say that to anyone I went to high school with, they would laugh their ass off. But like the the um I did some homework just kind of for them, like to do some like research like well, how did this all go so wrong? And what I turned up was like it's not that they hate Carson Wentz. It's just that Nick Foles is such a beloved human being and he's such a nice guy that they just like Nick Foles more. It's like if you have two friends and you have a best friend. Like, yeah, they like, yeah, Carson Wentz was their friend. Nick Foles was their best friend and they had this success. They won a Super Bowl. The veterans won a Super Bowl with him. They saw Foles take him to the playoffs the year before that they were like, why are we going back to Wentz and struggling when we had this success with Foles? And obviously, look, Wentz is a better, more talented quarterback than Foles was, yada, yada. But the narrative that like Wentz or the narrative that like Foles ruined Wentz and Foles is like the reason. No, what ruined Wentz was that he couldn't mentally handle that Foles had success and won a Super Bowl. Foles then took the Eagles to the playoffs and that there were players, some players in the locker room that liked Foles more. He couldn't mentally handle that. It broke him mentally. It's why you saw him start to struggle to the point where he looked nothing last year, like the quarterback that, that was playing during that MVP caliber season. So if you're looking for the perfect mentor, I think Brian Hoyer is a is a B option, is a consolation prize. The Jets need to find some way to go out there and get Nick Foles because he's available now. The 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 Bears aren't going to go in next year with Andy Dalton, Nick Foles, and Justin Fields. So he's available. So you find a way to go and get him and, and you find a way to bring him in here because he would be so beneficial to the team. He'd be so beneficial to, to the coaching staff. Joe Douglas knows him and loves him from their overlapping time in Philadelphia. And obviously he would help Zach Wilson so, so, so much. So what's the timeline of camp, mini camp, schedule release? Like what, what's next, for yeah. us, Connor? Yeah, you know what's funny? What's what's wild is like I never thought about rookie minicamp this year because when Todd Bowles was the Jets coach, he held rookie minicamps, but his final one, two years with the Jets, he talked openly about, I don't want to do rookie minicamps anymore. Like it's, he didn't see the value. He just wanted to do rookie meetings, like not rookie minicamp. He wanted to do rookie meetings, no on-field stuff. So he talked about that his last two years. The reason why the Jets kept having rookie minicamps is because they kept drafting quarterbacks. And that's really the only time that a rookie minicamp is beneficial. You draft a quarterback, 
you put the quarterback on the field, right? Like that's that's where rookie minicamp is genuinely important because you get the rookie a chance to start acclimating himself to NFL speed. So when Gase took over, he already had Darnold. Gase did not do rookie minicamp in 2019. There was no rookie minicamp in 2019. So 2020 was the pandemic year. So obviously there was no rookie minicamp. So I kind of forgot that rookie minicamps are a thing. So I scheduled my bachelor party for May 13th through the 17th in New Orleans. Like I scheduled my bachelor party because like, I was like, okay, that's before what OTAs and mini camp would be. That's well before training camp. It's before my wedding, the end of June. I was like, we'll be, I'm good. Like, this will be the perfect, like I, I cover the draft. I'm not missing draft or free agency. This is like, it's like a week after the draft. So I'll be able to kind of collect myself for this week and then we'll be good. And so when I'm playing golf yesterday with Andy, and Andy's coming to, Andy's one of my best friends. Andy and Matt are both two of my best friends. They're coming to my bachelor party. So they look at me and they go, uh, Connor, I was like, what? They're like, um, the Giants scheduled their rookie minicamp. And as soon as they said Giants rookie minicamp, my head was like, oh, because sh-. the Jets usually do whatever the Giants do. And Andy goes, Connor, it's the week of your bachelor for the Giants. He goes, the Gi-, he goes, it's the week of weekend of your bachelor party. He goes, and they're doing it in person. So if the Giants have in-person access, the Jets are going to have in-person access. And usually the Jets, like the, I, I couldn't, like all of a sudden my head starts spinning and I'm like, oh my God, are the Jets going to have, like, I, I'm like, I can't remember the last rookie minicamp. It was two plus years ago. Do the Jets and Giants do it the same weekend? What's going on? Now in my head, I'm kind of like, wait a minute. I don't think they do because usually if you have a rookie minicamp, you have a bunch of tryout players. And you want to, they'll have a lot of tryout players from like the Rutgers, New Jersey area that go to the Giants r- rookie mini campus tryouts and then also go to the Jets rookie mini campus tryouts. It gives them like a, a two for one opportunity. So I'm like, but I'm panicking. I'm like, oh, they're going to do it. I was like, they're going to have rookie mini camp on my bachelor party. I'm going to like, and it's, and it's not even like any rookie mini camp. This is Zach Wilson's first time on a football <laughs> field. I'm like, I'm going to have to cancel my party. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. And I just paid for the Airbnb. Like, that's all I was like, I'm going to have to do this. So I text Eric, uh, Eric Gelfand, who's like the head of media relations over there. I'm like, Eric, I was like, are you going to make me cry right now? And he goes, what are you talking about? I was like, Andy just told me that the Giants are doing rookie minicamp the week of my bachelor party. I was like, it's the 13th through the 17th. I was like, are you, are you going to make me cry? And he texts me back. He goes, LOL. He goes, you're good, dude. He goes, it's going to be the end of this week. So the, the Jets rookie minicamp is end of this week into this weekend. So probably I'm thinking like, Maybe like Thursday, they'll have like meetings Thursday, Friday practices, Saturday, Sunday, or like, I think in the past, the Jets actually choose not to have media access that Sunday because it's Mother's Day. So I think you'll, the, the rookie mini camp will be then. And then we're, I, I mean, you know, this as well as I do, like you we could bring Michael on to talk about this. Like we have no idea what's going on with OTAs. Like we have no idea if they're going to have OTAs or if, I mean, there will be a veteran, a mandatory veteran mini camp because there's always mandatory veteran mini camp. That's like the uh, second yeah, like second week of June. I don't know if the dates for that have come out. They haven't made it media public, so maybe you can break some news right now, Marissa. No, I, I, I have no idea, honestly. But knock on Michael's door. I have yeah. honestly no idea. <laughs> so um, you're saying that we could see Zach Wilson on a football field this week. in a yeah, Jets uniform yes, within this the week. Yeah, I think yeah, we this glossed week, yeah. over that fact. But let's you're like get... you're 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 hosting this pod right now. But somebody, uh, the Big Blue Knight, said Happy Pod Mom Day. Marissa. I know he did. He yeah. did write that in yeah. the comment. Very nice. So we're gonna have to celebrate. Maybe Everybody we'll has to wish to their moms a Happy Mother's Day. Yeah. Don't forget. Order the flowers and gifts now. I gotta, I gotta, AKA I Connor. 
Don't forget. I do that. I do, I do that for Brie too because she's a Brie's a dog mom. So Lucy gets Brie presents every year. Very so good. I am thoughtful with that. Yeah, last year she got like her plants that she wanted and all that stuff. But yeah, so I think you'll see rookie mini camp at the end of this week. Um, we'll see if media access is there. But if the Giants are having media access, there's a 90% chance the Jets will have media access. Uh, unless their rookie mini camp is just meetings. Like there's a chance that Salas is just meetings. But I, I think, I, from what I understand, I think they're going to want to be on the field. Um, and then obviously you're going to have uh, OTAs a couple weeks later if there are OTAs, and then there's minicamp. Like we'll have to think about uh, minicamp is just a to be determined, and we'll see when that is. Awesome. Usually June. Well, thank you all for joining. We will keep you updated on the minicamp situation and, of course, all of the news involving the Jets. So have a great day, everybody, and we will talk to you later. You're going to put Tim out of a job, by the way. This is going to be like when uh, Chio in the morning in Philadelphia took a vacation. I don't know if you know this. Like, like I used to listen to like when I was a kid. I forget the station, but Chio in the morning was like the hip hop, like rap station that I used to listen to on my way to high school. Chio took a vacation one. And the rule in radio, I don't know if this is like we tell them go like pull the curtains back. The rule in radio is that if you are a you are with a co-host, like it's you and a co-host, you take your vacation at the exact same time. And the reason why I learned this when I worked in radio the reason why is like it's happened to happen with Chio is like if the main host usually makes the most money, like the main host of a radio station makes like a ton of money. And then he has like his co-host. If the main host takes a vacation and the co-host fill in and it is a seamless filling in and there is no drop off in ratings, there's no drop off in production. If anything, maybe it's a little more entertaining. The head bosses in on radio top of Radio Row go. <laughs> You know, why do we need to play? Why do we need to pay Chio so much money? We can cut Chio's salary and just hand the job over to like the co host and let them run. So Chio was the morning show host in Philadelphia, where I'm from, like South Jersey. And Chio took a vacation. And when Chio came back from that vacation, Chio no longer had a job because it was handed to the co host. So Tim, not a vacation. Um, for our took- audio listeners that have not been able to see on the screen, obviously, like our YouTube listeners, Tim had to leave because he has somebody coming to look at his apartment this morning. And is we were supposed moving? to like look at his house like we were supposed wait, to be moving? done by now. But, you know, Connor appeared I'm late. Up. So we yeah. would have been off, but you know, Connor forgot that we but were now, recording this morning. So but now, that is true. But now Tim is gone and Marissa filled in and it was the <laughs> the seamless transition, well, the seamless end, the seamless close, the seamless topic <laughs> adding. You put it on the T for me because I can't host myself. <laughs> well, we know. did get a comment in the chat from oh, no. dear listener Michael Dunn. Did Marissa just try and end the podcast and Connor is now extending it? Here comes a second sign off. So let's see if I can do it again. Thank you all for joining us today and listening to the pod. We'll keep you updated on minicamp and all news involving the Jets. Have a great week, everybody. And don't forget to wish your mom a happy Mother's Day this weekend. See you later.